Welcome to Conglangery, a podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley, and it's just me today. I'm doing a short episode. It's, um, it's around about the holidays here in the U.S., and, uh, and so uh, I decided uh, for uh, this month and the next month, I'm just going to have a couple of shorts posted up uh, just so that you, you guys have uh, something here, but uh, I don't want to arrange another, a huge episode. A little announcement I want to get out of the way before we start. Uh, Mike is going to be leaving the show. At least he's not going to be a regular host anymore. So we will miss him since he was he was a great addition to the show. But uh, we're going to be looking forward, and um, I've got some a few changes to uh, how we handle um, sort of the hosting situation for the next year that. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to uh, explain to you in the uh, first uh, full episode next year, uh, coming up probably in February. So, with all that taken care of, I am just going to uh, start with, this is a little bit different from anything I've done, we've done previously, but I'm going to recommend a book to you guys. The book I'm going to recommend to you is Gender by Greville Corbett. And, uh, that is, uh, one of the Cambridge, uh, textbooks in linguistics, uh, the, the, the red textbook series. And, um, this book is not, uh, a really heavy theory book. It doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, very, um, of, you know, tree diagrams and whatnot to, to look at. It's, it's, it does lay out some parts of a theoretical framework re- dealing with gender. But if you are interested in uh, grammatical gender in your conlangs, I highly recommend it. And I wanted to just go over one of the big topics that is in that book, which is uh, gender assignment. How do nouns get their gender? We actually did an episode on gender, episode 34, and there's a lot of good information there, but we didn't cover so much the, 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 the nuts and bolts of gender assignment. We, I think, uh, we sort of mentioned it sort of in passing, but, um, this book actually lays it out in a way that I think it would be very helpful for, uh, a lot of conlangers to do. Basically, what Corbett does is he, he, makes note of sort of two different systems, two two sort of broad classes of systems for assigning gender in a, a, that occur in natural languages, of course, since it's um, formal linguistics, that um, basically there's semantic gender assignment and then formal gender assignment. So semantic general gender assignment is exactly what you what you would expect. It's assigning gender based upon what um what the meaning of the noun is. So in the case of, you know, very classic, you know, masculine feminine gender, all nouns referring to men go in masculine, all nouns referring to women go in in feminine. 
for animate, inanimate, you know, humans, uh, highly animate animals, children go in the animate, and then things like rocks and tools and, uh, trees go in the inanimate. That's the, the, the idea of semantically based. And there's a little, there, there can be complications in terms of how semantic, uh, semantic assignment ends up going because, uh, of some things that we talked about in the gender episode. And I won't, I won't rehash all of that, but, um, but there, there can be sort of little quirks in how the, the semantics work. But the main idea is that, so there's the semantic section and he gives a few examples of languages that, that are, he gives example, an example of Tamil, which he sort of classifies as almost purely just semantic assignment. There's rational and irrational, there's rational and non-rational nouns. And within the rational nouns, there's masculine and feminine, uh, in Tamil. So rational, I would say, means sort of like speaking human. And so it matches very well with what the semantics of the noun is, how it's assigned. But the more interesting thing is when he gets into formal systems, he notes two different ways that you can have, that a language can have a formal system. One is morphological systems, and the other is phonological systems. So morphological systems, a lot of you, if you have studied a lot of European languages that have gender you may be familiar with this, especially if you are, um, thinking about the, the, those European languages that have a lot of noun declensions. There's obviously Latin is like this. Um, uh, uh, the example he gives is Russian. I believe, um, German is a little bit like this too, is that different declension classes of nouns can end up being assigned, end up being assigned to a gender. And then there's other things like certain derivational suffixes, derivational processes might assign a different gender, um, all those sorts of things. Uh, the phonological aspect is just purely phonology. And, uh, he cites a few different examples. One of the, one of the ones he talks about is French, but, um, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical of his French because it, it requires just so many different rules, but you know, it's, it's possible that that, but he cites a, a couple of other examples, uh, with, um, with, uh, it's a language called Imas and, uh, with Hausa, just so for one of his examples, uh, is, uh, Kafar, uh, it's a, a Cushitic language, um, and uh, he he makes the the point of uh, essentially the the phonological rule is that uh, they have masculine, feminine, and if a noun ends in an accented vowel, it's marked as feminine. So kato and karma are feminine for phonological reasons. Now here's the thing I, I want to note that he's, he's noting here is that generally within the framework that, um, that Corbett is, is laying out in this book, it's not an either or, 
obviously, you know, if you're labeling genders as masculine and feminine, that has to come from somewhere or as animate, inanimate or whatever other mark way you're, you're conceiving them. And what Corbett is point, points out is that most of the time in these languages, you get sort of the semantic assignment gets priority. So even if there's a mismatch with the declension class or phonology or some other part, then, um, then the actual semantic gender will tend to win out. Now that, now I will say this, I think is a very good sort of starting point for conlangers to be thinking about it is say, okay, I have my genders, my list of of genders for this language. I'm going to uh, have some sort of semantic relationship being denoted by gender, and then that's the first thing that I will look for when I'm assigning new nouns to a gender. But then those things that don't fit into any category, uh, this is, Corbett calls that the semantic residue, then I will either have sort of a, a dump category that's, that's, um, the, that's, that's my term. That's not Corbett's term, but that's, that's what he sort of essentially claims is happening for, uh, a lot of languages. Uh, what he thinks is sort of happening with, um, with Tamil is that like rational, um, are all classed in the, the masculine and feminine and things that don't fit in that are put into the non-rationals, and it's like, okay, so everything that's inanimate or just doesn't fit into these categories goes there. Or you end up with a secondary formal assignment system where, okay, I have masculine and feminine gender, let's say, or masculine, uh, we'll go with masculine and feminine, and I need to know what gender the word chair is. Well, obviously... It is neither male nor female. So I have to assign it some way. So I have some sort of, just, you can have some sort of phonological or morphological rule. It may be you have three declension classes, say, and chair happens to be in declension class two, which is where a lot of masculine nouns are. So I will put chair in the masculine slot. That's basically the idea of the semantic residue and, and how these things are assigned. Now, obviously, this is, this is a, I think is a good starting point and a good sort of way to systematically think about this, but also realize that this is not the end of it. And actually, Corbett also talks about this, is that you can also end up having, you know, situations where Things do not match with the semantic gender even when they sh- probably should. And then, uh, things get crazy. And he talks about, uh, more than just things like, you know, the famous, the famous example of, uh, what is it? I believe German word Machen is sometimes considered neuter because of, uh, it being a, uh, a diminutive that would normally take a, uh, take a neuter agreement that kind of thing happens but also he talks he ends up talking about and i won't have time to go into this but you can also have hybrids hybrid nouns that are actually 
basically two genders. And I won't go into detail, but basically what, what happens with the hybrid nouns is that, you know, there's multiple agreement targets, maybe, uh, determiners and adjectives and verbs all agree with gender. Those different agreement targets will agree differently with the adjective. And he has, he has a much more systematic way of talking about this, which I don't have time to go into for a short, but I just wanted to mention that, you know, here is his, you know, this, this, a basic schema for you to work out how to assign gender and some ideas for, uh, how sort of gender assignment can work when you have categories that don't cover the entire universe of things humans can talk about, which is very likely. But, you know, there are these complications. So there's the, the hybrid nouns. Another thing I will mention very briefly before we go is, um, he has a, a very short discussion of, uh, animate, inanimate distinctions in, like, uh, Ojibwe, um, other sort of Native American languages. One thing there is that animacy is a, the animate inanimate distinction can be a tricky thing because basically people can assign something to the animate gender when there's some sort of cultural cultural importance to it that it doesn't really make it a, a, a living breathing thing, but that makes it uh, you know doesn't make it animate per se, but makes it more important. So one example of that would be the the uh the Ojibwe word for tobacco is actually an animate because it has this sort of uh ritual significance. So they put it in the animate class even though it's not actually animate. I believe we've said something about that on the show before. Uh this this is getting a little bit long for a short, but I just wanted to to talk about that I believe that this particular book is in the Conlanger's uh lending library at um um but I'm not exactly sure um there are some links at the the LCS library site where you can buy it I I will link to that because um the LCS can actually get a little bit of money if you order through their links and of course, you can find it. Um, as I said, I think that the the Conlangers Library has a a one that they can lend out to LCS members, but I'm not sure. Uh, contact may, maybe contact uh, Don Boozer about that. Um, but um, you, if you are have access to an academic library, you can almost certainly get a hold of it through interlibrary loan or through some. Or because they have a copy there or something. So I highly recommend for Conlangers to take a look at this book, uh, because it is, it does give, uh, it, I've only sort of scratched the surface here on what it has, but it's very good if you are looking to make a gender system because it covers, not only does it cover a lot of sort of concepts and ideas about how gender works in languages, but it also has a lot of examples from a lot of different languages. 
um, including European languages and lots of other, um, you know, non-European languages that um, show how all sorts of different ways that gender can can work. So that all said, the the book is Gender by Greville Corbett. It's one of the Cambridge textbooks in linguistics. And with that, I will say happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a Conlang or Natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for Conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device. <laughs>